I'll try that again with my mic on. Good morning, everybody. We're in Acts chapter 16 this morning. Uh, we are doing a sermon series that is entitled Fruits of the Spirit, or Fruit of the Spirit. I, I uh, am uh, excited about uh, going through the series and talking about how we can live our lives according to the Spirit and how the Spirit transforms us. And the more we do this, the more that uh, our community will become a, a place that nourishes, that grows. And so we're going to look at Acts chapter 16 and talk about the fruit of patience. This is everybody's favorite fruit of the Spirit, right? Patience. Everybody prays for patience every day, amen? Let's look at Acts uh, chapter 16 together. I'm only going to read two verses. We're going to talk about this story particularly. Uh, but these two verses, I believe, shows some of the most incredible, powerful, God-given patience uh, that you're going to find. I, I love this story. It was about midnight, and we're told that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners... We're listening to them, we're told. And suddenly, like a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, we're told. And at once the prison doors were flown open, they were thrown open, and everyone's chains came loose. Let's pray together. Father, I am just absolutely grateful that you are Lord, that you're sovereign, that you're God, that you are one we can trust, that we can put our faith in you. You are the strong tower that we can run to. And the topic today on patience is a difficult one for us in our culture. It goes against our sinful nature. And I pray, Lord, that your words will give us power that your words will ignite a flame in our hearts and that your Holy Spirit will transform us, that we might produce the fruit of patience. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm using a definition this morning by Tim Keller that patience is the ability to take trouble without blowing. Patience is the ability to take trouble, whether it's from others or just from life, without blowing. Now, some of the translations that you may have read even this morning use the word forbearance. But for our conversation today, we're going to use the words patience. I think forbearance lands maybe a little bit too narrow of a definition. Patience gives a whole variety of situations. Forbearance may be a little bit more trouble from others. But according to Paul, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Anybody growing fruit this year? It grows slowly, right? It grows slowly. You can't take a seed and put it in the microwave and hit start, and all of a sudden you have a watermelon, right? 
God is growing patience in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit. And today, I want to look at Paul's example of patience and discuss how God allowed his patience, God allowed this fruit of patience to transform the life of a Roman correctional officer. Let's look at this story, let's look at this text, and, and talk about patience. Patience grows, write this down, patience grows when we are in step with the Holy Spirit. Patience grows when we are in step with the Holy Spirit. Earlier on in chapter 16, we learned that Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's already toured so many different areas. He was beaten, stoned, cursed at, and a lot of people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he went from city to city in that first missionary journey. He's on his second one now. He's taken Silas with him. Paul and Silas really wanted to visit the province of Asia Minor. Uh, we're, we're, we're not a bunch of folks that know Bible atlases, right? And so Asia Minor is just like all over the place because Asia as a continent is very, very big. But what you need to know about Asia Minor is your book in the Bible, Ephesus, uh, Ephesians. Ephesians is Asia Minor. They wanted to go to Asia Minor, and they would eventually go. But the Holy Spirit at this time on the second missionary journey said, no, you're not going to Asia Minor. They wanted to enter into Bithynia, uh, but that's kind of on the north side of Asia Minor. But once again, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going. And they followed the step of the Holy Spirit. And that night, the night that he was told, no, you can't go to Bithynia, that night he had a vision from God. And it was of this one man who was waving at Paul and saying, hey, come help us. And Macedonia. Come, please help us in Macedonia. And so Paul and Silas kept in step with the Holy Spirit and they traveled to Macedonia. And that led them to Philippi. Y'all familiar with the book of the Bible? Philippians. That's in Macedonia. You follow me so far? Now, while they were in Philippi, Paul and Silas would normally go to the synagogue. But in order to have a synagogue, you had to have a certain number of Jewish men who were able to gather together. In Philippi, they evidently didn't have enough Jewish men to have a synagogue, so they met outside of the city at the river with a bunch of women to pray and to do some of that church stuff that you and I so love. So Paul went to that place of prayer, he converted several people, including a woman by the name of Lydia, and he began his ministry to the Philippians. It was on one day particular that Paul was on his way to that place of prayer that he went every day to encourage believers, to have conversations with Jews. He was going to that place of prayer, and listen to this. A young lady 
a young lady started following behind Paul and screaming, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they are telling you the way of being saved. I'm going to tell you what. If every day on my place of prayer, somebody started screaming out like that, if Reagan over here started screaming out at me, every time I went to the place of prayer, I think that'd get pretty annoying, wouldn't y'all? It's just kind of weird and annoying. And Paul, I believe filled with the Holy Spirit, turned around one day after several days of this and said, demon, get out of that girl. All right, that's a Jeremy International version. But he healed that young lady that day. And the demon came out of her. Now, what you need to know about this little girl is that she was a slave. She had been taken from her family, or maybe she was orphaned. And these, these slave owners who owned her used her as a fortune teller. This demon that had possessed her had the ability to tell the future, had the power of demons to tell the future. And that was quite, had to have been quite scary for this young girl. And Paul healed her. How do you think the slave owners felt? They just lost their business, didn't they? They weren't happy. They went to the city officials. And Paul and Silas that day were beaten and they were put in stocks. Probably stocks were their legs, big wooden stocks. Their legs had to be in there, right? And they were put into a dark room. That was their jail cell, right? They were put in stocks, stripped, beaten, put in jail. And our text tells us this morning that it was midnight. Anybody have an idea of why Paul and Silas were awake at midnight? I bet they were uncomfortable. I bet after being beaten, I bet with having your legs up like that, I bet they couldn't sleep. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I can't sleep, I normally don't sing. For starters, it would wake up Jessica. She probably wouldn't be too happy with me, right? It might wake up the kids. Paul and Silas didn't care. At midnight, we're told... They were praying and singing hymns to God. I couldn't imagine the pain they were in. I couldn't imagine how uncomfortable they would have been trying to sleep in stocks. But Paul and Silas were able to face adversity without blowing, and they were patient. And that patience grew out of their reliance on God, that they were exactly where they were supposed to be. Amen? Psalm 119, verse 62, said, At midnight I rise to give thanks to your righteous law. I wonder if they sang that song. I wonder at 
in the middle of the night. Paul and Silas remembered the psalmist and said, At midnight, I rise and give thanks because of your righteous laws. That patience grew because they knew that they were following the word of God. They weren't in stocks because they stole. They had not been beaten because they killed a man. They had done justice and mercy as they healed this little girl. And they knew that this punishment that they were now encountering was not because of God. And therefore they gave him praise and glory. All right, write this down too. Patience requires God-given perseverance. It requires a miracle of God when he gives you the perseverance to keep fighting on. God was with Paul and Silas in that jail cell. And I believe he gave them the perseverance they needed to keep their heads up, that kept their songs a-going all night long. Heard a story about a first grade teacher who was having one of those days. And it rained the entire day and therefore the children couldn't go out for recess. And teachers in here know that they get more and more hyper and restless when they can't go for out for recess. The teacher could not wait for the bell to ring at 3 o'clock. At about 2.45, she saw it still raining, and she decided, I'm going to get my kids ready for dismissal. She sorted out their boots and raincoats and started helping them get it on. And finally, they were ready to go, all except for one little boy whose boots were just too small for his feet. There weren't any zippers or straps, and it took every ounce of strength she had to get them on. And when at last she did get them on, she sighed with relief. And the little boy looked down at his feet and said, Teacher, you know what? These boots aren't mine. She didn't know whether to laugh or cry, but she helped that young boy take his boots off. And when she said, I wore them here today because my sister let me borrow them. <laughs> I think teachers have God-given perseverance. But Paul and Silas, as they are in this jail and as they are singing these songs, I believe it's driven by perseverance to be patient. The writer of Hebrews says, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may fully be realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And this passage, doesn't it flow perfectly with today's stories? Can we have the same kind of perseverance that Paul and Silas faced in that prison as we face life's troubles and as people around us try to give us trouble, can we face that kind of perseverance? The New Living Translation says, 
that he does not want us to become lazy, spiritually dull, indifferent. The new King James uses the word sluggish. (laughs) Don't become sluggish, lazy, spiritually dull, indifferent. But persevere and be patient until the end. The final thought I have for you this morning is patience thrives in a selfless environment. Patience thrives in a selfless environment. Today's passage says that there was a supernatural earthquake. Now, why do we think it's supernatural, folks? It's because when that earthquake hit, the prison doors were open. Now, I could believe that, right? I could believe that it could shake a door. An earthquake could shake a door off of its hinges. But it also says their chains, their stocks were loosened. That sounds pretty supernatural to me. And now here they are. Paul, Silas, and in my Bible it says the other prisoners. They were now free. They can run. They can be free. Paul and Silas could see this as an opportunity. They knew that their consequences, being beaten and thrown into jail, was unjust. They could have been free. But with their freedom came the jailer's execution. The jailer had one job, keep an eye on these guys, keep these prisoners in jail. And if he fails, well, it's not a slap on the wrist in Roman society. He would have been executed. Would you believe the jailer if he said, I don't know, boss. There was an earthquake, and all of a sudden, every single prisoner in the jail, their chains came free. I wouldn't believe him either, right? Luke doesn't tell us how or why, but we're told that every single prisoner stayed in their cell. And the jailer didn't know that when he woke up. He thought everybody was gone, and he was ready to end his life. And the text tells us that Paul stopped him. Paul says, don't harm yourself. We're all here. So the jailer calls for lights, and sure enough, every single single prisoner was still there. Paul's selfless act, Silas's patience in the middle of the night, in the middle of an unjust situation, led this jailer to Christ. And in Acts chapter 16, we're told in verse 33 that at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and his whole family was baptized. They gave their life 
to this Jesus that Paul and Silas were singing about. This jailer who didn't know God, who was about to end his life. You see, patience thrives when you're acting selfless, right? Paul could have cared about him. Instead, he cared about the jailer. Are you living a selfless life or a selfish life? Thursday was a good day for Charlie Cox. Four weeks ago, four weeks ago, he fell while riding a scooter and broke his arm. Thursday, he had an appointment to take off the old cast and put on a short cast. The doctor was so impressed with his healing and trusted that he would behave himself <laughs> that he didn't put the cast on. It's going to let the next two weeks heal without a cast. So, as any good father, after his appointment, I took him to Duncan to celebrate. Amen? After we had eaten our donuts and drank our coffee, we pulled out on Western Avenue, only to see that there was an accident. Evidently, this accident had just happened because the guys were still pretty fuming at each other. One guy was taking pictures. And it happened in the far lane. And so the right lane was still open as you pull out of Duncan. And I pull in behind this white Impala. And I'm like, ah, oh, an accident. That stinks, but you could go, right? And so I saw someone turn into Duncan, and I'm like, you could have gone. All right. And uh, so I pull up a little bit closer, let the person know, hey, it's, we're done looking at the accident. Time to turn right. All right, it's time to go. Another person pulls in. There's plenty of space. You know, I'm looking, see how much space is open. You know, maybe you're just being cautious. I get it, I get it. But after 60 seconds, which, by the way, felt like 30 minutes. All right. I'm yelling. Charlie can attest. Go! Go! Why don't you go? Plenty of space. Stop staring at the accident. And just about then, this young lady comes from the accident, walks to the white Impala, and waves at me and says, I'm sorry, and gets into the driver's seat. <laughs> there was no one in the car. I was yelling to a bandless car. This woman had gotten out of her car and checked on the accident to make sure these folks were okay. My response to the accident, come on, let's go. I got to get to the office. I got to get my sermon done on patience. <laughs> I'm not lying. This happened on Thursday when I was finishing my sermon on patience. Holy cow. 30 minutes she sat there. No. Patience thrives when you're selfless. Not when you're selfish. Not when you're thinking about yourself. But when you're thinking about other people, 
Hmm. Patience thrives. I think about James 5, 10 through 11 when I think about patience. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take, for example, the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And I am reminded that that compassion and mercy is not reserved just for me. That God's compassion and mercy is not just reserved for me. And when I consume that, then I become more of a patient person. As we gather around the table, we, of course, are reminded of the patience of Job, who in the midst of trial and death was patient. We're reminded of the patience of Paul and Silas, who, in the middle of pain, still sung their praises to God. But we're also reminded of the patience of Jesus Christ, who, while being mocked and beaten, remained patient, knowing he was within the will of God. He persevered with a God-given perseverance and selflessly gave his life for you and me. Let him be our ultimate example of patience. And today while we sing the song, You Are My All in All, let's worship this Jesus, ask him to transform our hearts to give us the fruit of patience. I invite you to go to one of our three communion stations, take the cups, and hold the bread and juice. Uh, Dustin will come up this morning, share with us a few more thoughts, and we'll take these cups together. Will you bow with me in prayer, please? Father, we pause today to realize that patience is given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We realize that that power is at work in each and every one of us, and therefore, as we remember the perseverance and patience of Job, Paul and Silas, and of course your son, Jesus Christ, we ask you to continue to transform our lives. I pray, dear Lord, that as we worship you, that you will be honored and glorified, that we come today to celebrate the patience you showed us on the cross, the patience to three days later rise again. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.